episode number 12. Welcome to Great the Wine Podcast. My name is Tobias Salvai. And I'm Phil Cook. And uh, this week we are recording uh, an exciting red grape variety. I'm pumped, mate. I really love this kind of wine. Oh, We're yes, going to indeed. talk about Malbec. Yes, indeed. I've been watching some Diego Maradona clips there while I was waiting for you finishing your dinner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely a celebration of Argentina. <laughs> Definitely. However, however, uh, I was reading a bit about the history, and of course, now nowadays we know Malbec because of Argentina. But um, there's a very popular but kind of unconfirmed theory that claims that Malbec is named after an Hungarian peasant who first spread the grey variety all the way through France. Okay. or France, uh, Bordeaux, you know, the south of France, uh, and uh, um, several different spots. It's quite an adaptable grape. We, we'll talk about it then later on. But um, this French fisiculturist uh, uh, called Pierre Gallet, uh, actually on his, on his notes, uh, uh, shows evidence that uh, uh, this legend that I, that I just said about the Hungarian peasant is actually uh, just a legend because the evidence suggests that uh, the grey variety uh, is actually originated in northern Burgundy, oh, and uh, and the the original name of it uh, is actually Cot, C O T. Yeah. Uh, it then became Malbec throughout the centuries. Right. Uh, there's a really, really interesting uh, uh, thing that I found about French Malbec, and it kind of makes us understand why then Argentina took over, in mm. a way because the grape that was planted also in Bordeaux, uh, after 1956, when, when basically frost killed uh, uh, 75% of the crop, yeah. uh, kind, of, kind of disappeared a bit from France. Yeah. It just left uh, a little area, then you can tell us maybe a bit more about that uh, later on. Uh, but uh, definitely we can say that the popularity of Malbec nowadays it's uh, uh, because of Argentina. Yeah. And uh, we will mention that as well later on. Uh, but first I want to hear uh, about uh, your uh, uh, your beat in terms of years of production. Yeah, years of production, yeah. Um, just sort of continuing on what you said really, it started off as a sort of a minor grape in the southwest of France. It can be quite a difficult grape to grow. Um, but really found its home in, in Argentina, which now accounts for over 75% of global production, so massive, massive. Um, here it gained its right phrase as one of the, the 18 noble grapes. Um, and although the grape is grown throughout the country, the vast majority is produced in Mendoza, uh, which is on the western, it's like a western borderline dominated by the Andes Mountains. Uh, Sargentia is obviously the most important wine-growing province, as you can imagine. Um, here in Malbec, grape adapted well to the, to the warm South American daytime climates and cold nights from the altitude that are so important for controlling the, the ripening of the grapes and maintaining that acidity um, that makes it better for aging and uh, is characteristic of the wine, obviously. Um, at the fruit of the Andes, uh, rain's quite scarce and could be a lot of early summer hailstorms. Uh, and there's a powerful wind called the Zonda create a bit of adversity for the vines. Um, as a result, they've got to dig quite deep into the alluvial sand and clay soils to find nutrients to grow. Eagle um, Valley is regarded as its prime uh, Malbec territory uh, in Mendoza. 
Um, it's got the highest vineyards that can stretch up to 1,200 metres above sea level and really maximise those diurnal temperature shifts that I mentioned earlier. Uh, at the moment, the interesting thing about this area is the law states that wine labels only need to carry the Mendoza name on the wine labels, but winemakers in the Yuko Valley, they want to change those laws, uh, create a bit more distinction between their territory and the rest of the area, uh, just to create that quality mark and ultimately drive up the price to make more money. Um, kind, of, kind, of make, uh, kind of make sense as well, quality-wise, yeah. I guess. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so, really, we're well worth investing in some of those wineries just now, because if the laws get altered, um, you know, the price will go up. Uh, so, yeah, a bit of an investment tip there. Um, it is still grown in France. Um, it's quite different in style to the Argentine Malbecs, which we'll discuss in a little bit uh, later on. Uh, Cahors is regarded as a sort of historic heart heartland, um, as a very ancient winemaking tradition dating back to the 1550 BC even. Just sits just east of Bordeaux. Um, it, it can be blended with Merlot and Tannat there. It's allowed uh, up to 30% Merlot or Tannat if winemaker chooses to blend. Um, it grows mainly on gravel terraces, a uh, bit of ocean influence there as well. Again, think of those uh, diurnal temperatures, warm days, cooler nights and things. The area has got, actually got its own microclimate as well, it's quite a unique style of wine there. In 2007, the Wine Union of Cahors actually grew a relationship uh, with the wines of Argentina to celebrate the grape, uh, and it led to the creation of uh, World Malbec Day, which is the 17th April each year. Um, it was also used in history as a key blending grape in Bordeaux, but like you mentioned earlier, those frosts in 1956 uh, really killed production levels and the fact it's fallen by about 75% uh, since then. But it's still used a little bit in blending um, and that's really the main areas. You can get uh, Chilean Malbecs, we're seeing more uh, now, not in massive amounts, but they are there and they're very good value for money. Um, so yeah, how about the, the plant structure here? What do these plants look like? Well, um, first of all, the grapes itself uh, got a very deep purple color, uh, really, really intense. They're quite beautiful to to, to, to be seen, you know, during uh, during harvesting season because you see this this sea of purple in this beautiful green vineyards. It's it's actually quite nice. Uh, the grape has yeah. got very robust and very powerful and dark tannins, uh, so quite a thick skin. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, even though we're talking about you know deep colors, powerful tannins. It's quite a very sensitive and delicate grape. Uh, yeah. It's really prone to, to, to be sensitive to frost, as, as we mentioned earlier. No, frost, frost kills 75% of the crop in France. So yeah, yeah. Uh, cold temperatures don't do really well with Malbec. And uh, uh, it's also uh, prone to a disease called colure. Uh, we mentioned it in, a, in another episode in the past as well. Uh, this kind of uh, uh, color and uh, malformations, let's say, of the of the shape of a grape, uh, yeah. leading into then lacks of flavors and lacks of uh, um, yield. Uh, it got good potential though to grow a high yield, so lots of quantity, but it needs yeah. to be really looked after. The kind of soil that uh, uh, Malbec prefers is uh, limestone based. Yeah. Uh, gra gravel as well works fine, but mostly limestone. Uh, it's quite adaptable though, so it can grow on different surfaces. And uh, one actually quite, quite interesting thing that I found, and that kind of uh, sets as well 
the difference between the Argentinian Malbec and the French Malbec is that the Argentinian Malbec uh, tends to grow with smaller berries than the French one. Oh, right. So that, that means a higher concentration of flavors, mm. uh, less juice, but more uh, uh, kind of uh, depth and uh, minerals and all that. Uh, that's pretty much it for the plant and vine details. Of course, there's a okay. lot, lot more to say, but uh, we just want to, you know, not explore too much. Otherwise, we, we end up being boring, I think. <laughs> uh, what's, uh, what's your uh, um, uh, take on the flavor profile and the mostly the best part of this podcast, the food pairings? Yeah, uh, so the flavor profiles, firstly, um, like I said, there's sort of the quite a contrast in styles between the French and Argentine. Firstly, uh, I tend to tilt my glass a little bit trying to spill this wine, but you can see if you have a glass of it, tilted about 45 degrees. You see it's mainly deep purple, and it's got a little sort of lighter magenta tinge just on the rim. Um, they're usually always dry wines. Um, give it a little sniff, give it a swirl, uh, and take in a couple of whiffs of it, and you can, you're hit with those plum and blackberry notes, which lead on to the secondary aromas of uh, the sort of the oak influence, you know, the vanilla, a little bit of spice. Um, in the mouth, primary flavours can range from quite lighter black cherry and fresh raspberry and the lighter sort of more rustic French style wines to the bolder Argentine style, which has really sort of stewed plums and blackberry notes, um, which are, you'll find that in warmer climate Malbecs across the world as well. Uh, and then again, as with nose, it finishes those lovely oaky influences, sweet vanilla, a little bit of tobacco-ness uh, as well can be in there. And sometimes you can get a little bit of a herbal character in there as well. Um, one thing I will say about Malbec, it doesn't tend to have a very long finish. Um, and the tannins, yeah, the, again, the Argentine, the bolder styles, you expect a bit more tannic than the French wines, but it can be quite well balanced. Um, so the food pairings, I know you've just had your dinner. Um, yes, I just did, but you know, I'm always up for food. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, the obvious place to start is steak, you know, since it's such a famous pairing with Argentine Malbec. So I think barbecue. asado, asado yeah. steaks, Argentine style meats, yeah, amazing. I think uh, barbecue gaucho style. I'm really looking forward to visit Argentina once. I want to try those truck stops and just have big, massive, like how Cuxley's barbecue. Uh, but anyway, but the, the fruit forwardness and the acidity of the wine really works well with those sort of rich smoky meats. Um, I like a rib beef myself with a nice big Malbec. But it also works well with leaner cuts of meat like fillet steak uh, due to the fruity nature and the fact it doesn't have that particularly long finish, uh, which means it's ideal for the more delicate cuts. And that same thing applies with game here, Venice in particular, where those plum and blackberry notes harmonize with the sweet meat. Uh, and it likes the herbs as well, so that can be involved in the cooking process, obviously. Um, so I'm, I'm really thinking here, things you can find in the forest that work well with the wine, you know, those herbs, the game running around, venison. If you aren't shelling it for prime cuts, a good old burger does the job. Again, that barbecue vibe. Um, you can be a little bit more adventurous with your meat here and go for like a venison burger or a buffalo burger is one of my favourites. Again, a leaner mm. style. Um, and. Yeah, I love the, bar the Buffalo Farm over in Fife. Uh, their meat's great and it's nice and local, obviously. Um, for the more rustic, Cahors-style Malbecs, uh, think more of foods that come from that area. You know, so think go with a, a, a slow-cooking attitude here. Things like lamb shanks, confit duck, cassily, 
um, again, it's foods that are like are from an area traditional to that area tends to work wines with the wines in that area as if Mother Nature uh, had intended it. Um, and also, on that note, think about sort of peasant cooking there. And you can get quite good value for money with Malbec. So again, that's just another little interesting thing that goes hand in hand. Um, Vegetarian-wise, I know that's a lot of meat to take in. Um, <laughs> it is. But <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's do something for our vegetarian friends. There you go. Yeah, so again, thinking about that forest floor vibe, and I'm heading straight to mushrooms with this one. They go terrifically well. Obviously, it's got that meaty quality as well. Uh, so you go for like a portobello mushroom burger, um, or even something simple like mushrooms on toast. Uh, red peppers work well as well with the fruitiness of the wine. Stuff those with uh, rice and mushrooms. It likes very earthy flavours. So again, just keep that in mind when you're pairing your wines. Try to avoid bitter greens like broccoli and kale. They just clash in the mouth of Malbec. Um, Jesus, uh, I'm heading to mild, creamy blues here. Uh, like gorgonzola or even some a little bit stronger like stilton are great again those fruits just enhance the cheeses the creaminess the richness um to sort of cut through the the, the rich cheese there and you could also use them um, with your burger as well blue cheese on a burger something i love or you could put it on your muffins or even top those red peppers and gratinate it under the grill um yeah that's what i would go for uh, food wise this week yeah, I'd go for that too, mate. I'm starving. <laughs> very, very, very nice. Yes, unfortunately for those vegetarians, Malbec, it's a really prone to meat kind of wine. But yeah, well done, Phil. You find some great, uh, great alternatives. Yeah, very great with mushrooms. And uh, if you are looking to a little bit more healthy wise and uh, vegan or veggie alternatives, you know? Oh, oh yes, no, something that I actually never said, but uh, please guys, if you if you need any sort of recipes or food recommendation, write us, ask about Phil. He, he runs a fantastic blog. I think it's called Phil's Food Board, right? Yeah, that's it, spot on, yeah. Um... And, uh, and uh, like, you know, Phil he used to be a chef, he's a trade chef, he, he can definitely tell you uh, more about recipes you know if you're struggling with something to cook phil is your guy yeah, just uh, give us a tweet or uh, instagram message or something always happy to help so what are you fun facts yeah well we're talking about uh, um, of course argentina uh, because uh, um, it's not really a fun fact, but it's quite an interesting and cultural fact, let's say. So as we mentioned earlier, while, while the acreage of Malbec, you know, in France, uh, slowly throughout years decline and is still kind of declining a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in Argentina, the grape uh, um, is it, it's, it's actually surging and it, it has become somewhat a, a national variety of Argentina. Uh, you think Malbec, you think Argentina, you think Argentina, you think Malbec. Well, you think Maradona, you think Messi, and then you think Malbec. <laughs> uh, actually, you think Maradona, you think Messi, you think meat, and then you think Malbec. Yeah. And uh, and that kind of uniquely identify Argentinian wines, as I said. You no, know? I think it's uh, it's 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 a really nice flag to wave. You no know? Malbec for Argentina. Definitely. Uh, the grape itself was firstly introduced uh, uh, in in Argentina in the mid 19th century so quite late compared to you know european traditions not of winemaking 
And this is thanks to uh, Governor, sorry, pardon, <laughs> Governor Domingo Faustino Sarmiento, which uh, he instructed the French agronomist Michael Pujol to bring uh, and study, you know, grapevines that were fit for the Argentinian climate and the Argentinian soil. Uh, several different grape varieties, of course, were prone to Argentina, such a generous land, that one. Uh, and among the vines that he brought firstly over Argentina, uh, there was, of course, Malbec, which was the very first Malbec ever planted in uh, South America. Right. Then, uh, going forward, uh, basically during the economic turmoil of the 20th century, you know, the financial crisis of Argentina, the, we kind of all remember, we, we were both quite young, but uh, yeah. the country really suffered uh, financially uh, and a lot of people unfortunately lost uh, uh, all of their uh, money in that kind of uh, uh, financial crisis. Uh, okay. Some plants of Malbec uh, that they were already thriving in Argentina were actually pulled out to make way for uh, what they call, what we can call, jaguar. So, right, you know, really uh, easy to grow, high yield production grapes. Uh, uh, we are talking of varieties like Riola Grande and Cereza, which are typical grapes from, uh, you know, South America. Really fruity, really easy to grow and inexpensive. Uh, and that was just to, uh, you know, provide alcohol <laughs> for those uh, uncertain and difficult times. Right. The grape then uh, was rediscovered in the late 20s uh, as the Argentine wine industry uh, basically decided to, to, to focus mostly on premium wine production for export purposes. So right. uh, in Argentina, they, they, they identified the potential of the wine of Malbec right away. And uh, they immediately realized that the domestic market wasn't uh, uh, strong enough to support uh, that kind of style and they really worked for good 40 years for export. In fact, mm -hmm. nowadays we can see the results of it. Uh, it's, um, it, it, I really like this, uh, this story because, uh, you know, we always talk in our podcast about great varieties that are grown in, uh, in a specific area, they're originally of a specific yeah. area, uh, mostly, most times it's France, and then they've been planted all over the world, but the best um, example of a wine made by that grape is always the, the country of provenience. So, you know, if you talk about Cabernet Sauvignon, you got Bordeaux. If you talk about Pinot Noir, you got Burgundy. Yeah, whether, yeah. whether in this case is actually quite nice to see that the grape that originated in France is actually found its, its, its own in, in another country, in Argentina. Yeah. Uh, so it's something quite, quite unique. And I, 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 sorry, Phil, pardon? It's almost a bit romantic. Yes, it's, um, it's, it's something quite... Uh, quite unique, I'd say, because yeah. if I'm thinking about other grape varieties, I cannot think of any other grape that is born and bred in France and then it became more popular when it's produced outside France, you know. Same thing for Italy, if I'm thinking about Sangiovese, yes, yeah. Sangiovese is produced all over the world, but the Tuscan I mean, Sangiovese is unique. The only other one I can think of is Carmenere, which yeah. isn't, isn't as popular as Malbec, but 
similar yeah. sort of stuff from south of France to well Chile mainly. Absolutely, and again, it's South America. That's that's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's incredible. Right uh, after this little uh, history, cultural, fun fact story, uh, I think it's time to recommend some of the Malbecs that we, we tried and we love. What have okay. you got for us, Phil, today? Okay, I'm just going to admit straight away that I've went for all Argentinian wines because I'm. I get what a French Malbec is, it's just they're a little bit too light for me uh, and I, these are wines I really, really like. So um, for my sort of uh, everyday wine, real favourite of mine uh, is a Hermnos Malbec from Domingo Molina, uh, which is around £14-£15 from Lathwaite's or Odbins did have it in for a while. Um, it's just a, it's a well-respected Argentine winemaker. The wine. It's quite a, for me, it's a stereotypical, very good Malbec in that it's full-bodied. It's got quite nuanced, dark, flu- dark fruit uh, taste to it and well-balanced oak. But it's got a lovely silky texture in the mouth and it's got a bit of tannins. You know they're there, but it's not too uh, big that you sort of get, you feel like you're having to make an effort to drink it. Uh, so that's my uh, everyday wine. What have you got for us? So for the everyday, uh, this time I went into a supermarket, man. Crazy, eh? Uh, <laughs> I picked the Finca Flickman Reserve Malbec, which sells for £7.99. It's an Argentinian Malbec made in Mendoza. It's available in Waitrose. Uh, I really like this wine. I wasn't expecting much from it when I when I tried it, and yeah. it actually delivered a very good, nice, you know, plum bouquet, an interesting pepperiness. He had some what as well, a kind of a chocolatey finish. So really, right. really interesting. Seven pounds ninety nine, an absolute bargain. Oh, check that out myself. It's, it's such a good wine for getting good value for money bottles. Actually, around the sort of under ten pounds um, bracket, isn't it? I think we gotta thank the financial crisis of Argentina for that. Unfortunately, yeah, right. <laughs> unfortunately. And um, what about your, uh, you know, your medium special wine? Yeah, so a bit of a treat. Um, I'm going for a Polenta Estate Ten Grand Malbec from the Uco Valley, uh, which is thirty nine pounds from Berry Brothers. Uh, again, another top producer. Uh, a very gorgeous, intense blueberry, blackberry flavors to this wine. And I just love the real concentration of that. It shows the, the skill of the winemaker. Um, it's aging French oak for around 12 months, I believe 20% are new oak barrels. Um, the tannins, again, like the Hermos, is well integrated in there. Um, and it benefits from those high altitude Eco Valley growing conditions, which gives it a sort of a freshness, but still a bit of body. And just quite, quite an elegant wine, but a really, really nice one. Um, and for the price, yeah, it's a bit of a treat, but it's worth it. How about you? Uh, well, for this one, I went to France, indeed, of Cahors, that you mentioned early, you know, the, let's say the hometown of Malbec nowadays in France. Yeah. Uh, it's the Lionelus Min Cahors Malbec. It sells for £16 in the UK through a company that I found online called Reserve Wines. Right. Um, 
this is quite full body the concentrated and yes you're right it's a bit lighter than an argentinian malbec so it's more approachable if you, you know if you're not really into full body bread that could be something quite uh, um, easier to drink yeah. uh it got this kind of black currant and cherry flavor cloves pepper spices and uh, and it kind of calls for this kind of grilled meat because it got this kind of grilled herbs kind yeah. of aftertaste you know <laughs> so it's quite quite unique quite unique and uh, your special ones your special treat what you'd say you never drunk malbec if you haven't tried this wine um i've went for i know you like this wine as well um it's catena zapata uh adriano vineyard malbec um it's it's the, the river stones yes um, oh wow fantastic um scored 97 out of 100 on wine advocate um it's for me it's almost a cross between a french and argentine because it's it's medium to full in body um and it's got those sort of fresh fruit vibes to it um but it's 18 months in oak as well so it gives it a bit more complexity in body and just a well balanced wine but it's got a nice herbal that's why I like it really uh, it's got a nice herbal quite timey flavor um on the finish that's just really really nice and just makes it a bit more interesting you know you're sort of thinking what am I tasting here and uh yeah really beautiful wine and fantastic mm-hmm. for uh, for myself I picked the wine uh that it's somewhat uh, a kind of an icon of uh, the era of Mendoza as well as the Catena Zapata that you just mentioned uh, the wine is called Cobos Cobos Malbec C O B O S it's mm-hmm. from the era of Mendoza and it sells for around 200 pounds uh, there's a company that call, it's called Ideal Wines that I see the stock it but it's quite a common wine you'll find it in some fine wine merchants for sure. Uh the, the very first vintage release of this wine is was in 1999. So right. probably young young winery if you think about it. And uh, uh the the 2017 vintage which is the one I'm, I would like to recommend it's actually quite unique. It's a, it's a very nice uh, modern kind of malbec with notes of figs, notes of uh, plums again cloves chocolate cherries it's a really really complex wine it's quite expensive 200 200 pounds but uh, uh, i mean it's really high rated by all of the main uh, uh, you know wine reviewers and wine magazines and right. it's definitely one to try lovely lovely right phil that's uh, that's it for our malbec episode uh, i would like to invite all of them that are listening through the platform of apple podcast uh, to if of course they want to leave us the uh, uh, review we we really appreciate that we need to somehow grow our podcast on the feeds and the best way to do it is actually to review it and to of course tell your friends about it uh, yeah. i'd say we can we can talk about it another kind of great variety uh, in another episode in the future but we got a little surprise for the next episode. I don't know, maybe maybe we don't want to say too much about it now. We just leave things hanging a bit and see if it could be a well, We're speaking to a winemaker and uh, just getting an insight into um, what a winemaker does essentially. How do they fill their day and things like that. Um, so he, just a little bit different. Yes, and, uh, you, you will actually realize that uh, me and Phil know nothing about wine. 
and uh, somebody more capable will uh, will will talk through uh, what we should do better i think <laughs> <laughs> jokes apart uh, let's keep in touch next week because uh, uh, i think we got a very nice thing prepared and uh, uh, you will hear that about it yes i will speak to you then thank you phil thank you very much as always speak soon bye bye bye, bye.